Good evening, church. Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 52, verses 13 to 15. Isaiah 52, verses 13 to 15. If you're using the Pew Bible, you will find it on page 650. Verse 13, see my servant will be successful. He will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man and his form did not resemble a human being. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him. For they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what they had not heard. Uh, Let's pray before we look into God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you have revealed your plans, your work, your nature to us. And Lord, we pray that as we look into your word this evening, that you will open our eyes, that we will see you, and that we will see Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. The verses we just read, Isaiah 52, 13 to 15, um, they provide a summary of the suffering and the exaltation of the servant of the Lord. It's sort of an introduction to what follows. And what follows is chapter 53, where we get a detailed description of the servant's suffering. But it does not end in the utter destruction of the servant. Uh, Rather, it culminates in his exaltation. And we can see this in chapter 53, verse 11, uh, where we read, he will see light and be satisfied. And again, in verse 12, that he will be given the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil. Our focus tonight Uh, will be chapter 52 and verse 15, which is the last part of the summary verses. When we look at it carefully, uh, this verse describes the effects of the servant's work. It describes the effects of the servant's work. We enjoy the effects of many things in our society today. Uh, Technology, technology, Thanks to technology, we are still able to work from home. Um, Transportation, no thanks to gas prices. Um, And medicine, medicine, that's a big thing, right? Uh, Bina and I, we have what Bina likes to call an elderly dog. Um, And a few years ago, uh, he developed a bad skin condition. Needless to say, uh, Bina was super worried about it, more worried than I was, of course. And after a trailing time, she got hold of these supplements um, and started giving it to our dog. And he started getting better. Uh, The rashes disappeared, and there was healthy hair growing where there were rashes before. Uh, Bina was overjoyed, and she still tells other dog owners that she meets about these supplements. Uh, She has given these away for free to other dog owners. Dog owners be listening. (laughs) 
uh, she saw the effect of these supplements and she just could not hold it in. She saw what they did for our dog and every time she hears about it, she's like, here, take these supplements. I have extra. Here, take them. My prayer tonight is that we will see the effects of the servant's work tonight and we will be captivated by it. And we will not just look at it from afar, but we will internalize it and in turn, we will multiply these effects through our lives. So here's the takeaway for us tonight. Be compelled by God's amazing work. Be compelled by God's amazing work. And there are two ways that we should be compelled uh, this evening. The first is understand God's amazing work. Understand God's amazing work. And number two, spread God's amazing work. First, understand God's amazing work. As I mentioned, Isaiah 52:15 describes the effects of the servant's work. Isaiah has spoken about this servant in his earlier chapters. Isaiah has prophesied that God will redeem his people through this servant figure. And if you recall, the people of Israel are in exile, captured by foreign armies because of their rebellion and disobedience to God. And through these servant songs, as they are called, God is progressively or sequentially revealing how redemption will be accomplished. Obviously, there's not enough time for us to dig into each of these servant passages, but a few things that we can learn by looking at these servant passages in Isaiah prior to Isaiah 52 is that the servant will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will bring justice to the nations. He will comfort the weak. He will be a covenant to the people. He will be a light to the nations. He will open blind eyes. He will be called from the womb. He is not only called Israel, but he is also sent on a mission to the nation of Israel. He will take salvation to the ends of the earth. He will be despised and abhorred. People will strike him and pull his beard. He will endure everything in obedience and he will trust in God to deliver him. It does not fully reveal the identity of who the servant is, but it gives the reader enough to be able to identify him when he does appear. And if that were not enough, we have Isaiah 53, which goes into a lot more detail. One main thing that we see in these passages is that the servant has a ministry not just to the nation of Israel, but to all nations. He is not just Israel's Messiah, which is how the servant was later identified in Jewish history, but he is also the Messiah to all nations. Just as Israel uh, rebelled and that led them into exile, all humanity is exiled from God due to Adam's sin. Adam was our representative, and when he sinned, we all sinned. We need God to rescue us, just like Israel needed to come out of exile. We need a different representative, not Adam, 
who can cleanse and redeem us. And that is what we see in the first part of chapter 52, verse 15. It describes that the servant will sprinkle many nations. Now, there is a lot of debate about the word sprinkle, but the word sprinkle has a lot of significance in the Old Testament. The word that is used for sprinkling in this verse is the same root word that is used in Leviticus chapter 16. And if you recall, uh, Leviticus chapter 16 explains the duties of the high priest on the Day of Atonement. The high priest is to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat for atonement. That is, wherever the blood of the sacrifice uh, was sprinkled, uh, there will be cleansing there. Isaiah is driving a similar picture and prophesying that the servant will sprinkle and cleanse the nations from their sins. That is, the servant will function as a high priest to all the nations. We just heard about Paul being a high priest. And here we have the great high priest, who is Jesus. And, or we'll get there. But the servant, he is not only a servant, but he is also functioning as a high priest to all the nations. Isaiah also tells us, How the servant does this. He not only tells us that he will do it, but he also tells us how he does this. Uh, The first word, so, in verse 15, should be understood as in this way. It's not a therefore or a casual so, like, so, what's up? No, it's actually, it means, uh, it is actually describing the means of how the servant will accomplish that. And how does the servant accomplish that? We see that in verse 14. By his appearance being marred beyond recognition and not even resembling a human being. In other words, the servant will offer his own life. He will be the sacrifice. The servant will sprinkle many nations. He will cleanse them from their iniquities and afflictions. He will do it by offering himself as a sacrifice. He is the servant. He is the redeemer. He is the high priest and also the atoning sacrifice. And finally, he will be exalted. The Jewish people are still waiting for this Messiah to this day. Even though they received these prophecies, they cannot see that all of this was fulfilled in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. They have found many ways to explain these passages in a way that does not include Jesus. And without the regenerating work of the Spirit, nobody will be able to see it. However, with the help of the Spirit, and through the exposition that we have in the New Testament, when we compare Isaiah's prophecy against the life of Jesus, we can see that Isaiah was pointing to Jesus As the servant. Jesus as the eternal high priest. Jesus as the true atoning sacrifice. And Jesus as the only redeemer. Jesus was crucified in exactly the same way as Isaiah prophesied. He was spit on. He was beaten. Scourged. Mocked. And put to death. He endured everything in obedience. 
Because this was the plan of salvation from before the foundation of the world. He trusted that the Father would deliver him. And sure enough, God raised him up on the third day. He was raised up in his resurrection and was exalted in his ascension. If you are listening to this right now, this is God's amazing work. That, in, that only in Jesus can a person be cleansed of all their sins. Only by faith in Jesus can a person be reconciled to God. This is God's only plan. And that is why it was necessary for Jesus to go through the horrible suffering of that wretched cross. But he rose again from the dead on the third day. And all who will trust in him will also rise again in him to new life. If you have not repented and put your faith in Christ alone for your salvation, today is the day. Now is the time. Don't wait. Talk to somebody in our church, a church member here, before you leave tonight. The second part of verse 15 continues to describe the effect of this amazing work of God uh, on the many nations. These many nations are identified as, the, as those, uh, they will see what they had not been told them, as those who have not been told, and they will understand what they have not heard. These are the Gentile nations who did not have the Old Testament scriptures. But God's plan from before the foundation of the world was to redeem people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. We see Gentiles such as Rahab and Ruth uh, come into God's salvation in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, especially in Acts, we see that the Gentiles receive the same spirit as the Jews. And here we are, most of us Gentiles, experiencing God's salvation. And all of this can only happen when those who understand the amazing work of God spread it to those who do not yet enjoy God's salvation. Which brings me to my second point. Spread God's amazing work. There are five ways that I have listed over here that we can spread God's amazing work through our lives. Number one, we need to internalize the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. It's not an option if you're a Christian. We are called to go preach the gospel, and we need to internalize this command. Not everyone is called to be a missionary, but everyone is called to preach the gospel. It starts with obedience to the call. Number two, get familiar with the gospel. The gospel is not Jesus loves you. If you prefer a three-word sentence, you can use God saves sinners. But our gospel proclamation has to include an explanation of the sinful condition of humans. It has to include the finished work of Jesus, including his death and resurrection. And it has to include a call to repentance and faith. Get familiar with the gospel. Know it and live it and proclaim it. Number three, be always prepared to share the gospel. This is what Paul meant in Ephesians 6 
when he said that our feet should be sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Uh, One way that I think about this is uh, we should imagine ourselves in various situations and play it out in our heads how we will share the gospel in that particular situation. You know, we've all heard that our thoughts become actions. Why not think about sharing the gospel? Let sharing the gospel be our thoughts, and eventually that will become our actions. Number four, we should be ready to give a defense of our faith. We find this in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. We need to learn how to provide reasons for what we believe and why we believe it. This is many times called apologetics. When you start talking to people, uh, more often than not, you will find people who have multiple questions. And they will also have accusations. And they will start, uh, try, they will try to negate you. They will try to argue with you. But again, 1 Peter 3.15 says, we need to provide a defense for our faith with gentleness. Our goal is that we provide answers not to win the argument, but to win the person. Number five, get trained in preaching the gospel. We just heard about seminars and workshops that are coming up. Let's sign up for those. Let's read books which will tell us how to do it. Uh, Chap has a good book, Evangelism for the Tongue-Tied Christian. Uh, Let's read books which will help us how to share the gospel. Let's attend these seminars. And let's partner with others and learn from them. There are many of us here in our church who are very good at sharing the gospel. And if you are somebody who is struggling, partner with them. Just go along with them and see how they do it and learn from them. And that's something that we can do to learn how to preach the gospel. And as Kevin said this morning, let's not procrastinate any longer. In conclusion... um, God has done an amazing work. He prophesied the redemption of nations through the prophet Isaiah, and he fulfilled it in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And he prophesied this 700 years before Jesus was born. If that's not amazing, I don't know what is. This should compel us to turn away from our sinful ways. It should compel us to live in obedience to God, And this obedience includes spreading the gospel and being ready at all times to proclaim God's amazing work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus for us. We who were exiled, Lord, you sent your son to be a sacrifice for us. And by his finished work, we are reconciled to you. And Lord, this amazing grace that we do not deserve, we thank you for that. Lord, we also pray that you will give us hearts, that we will be able to share this amazing work that you have done to those who do not yet know about it. And that we will be your messengers and take your truth to 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 people around us and that we will call them to repentance and to faith in what you have done. We pray, Lord, that you will give us the strength, give us the boldness. We pray just as 
the apostles prayed in Acts 4. Give us the boldness to do it and help us, Lord, to glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray.